Hey folks, this is Kevin. Just a few words before we start. Well, 2013 is here, and one great resolution you can make this new year is to maximize every minute and every dollar for your small business with Stamps.com. Now, think about how much time you wasted going to the post office over the holidays, right? I use Stamps.com, so I normally don't have to go to the post office, but People sent me some packages I had to pick up there this holiday, and it felt like quite a waste of time. And then there's how much money you've wasted leasing a postage meter. Stamps.com is the better way to do postage. You just use whatever you have, your own computer and printer, to buy and print official U.S. postage for any letter or package. With Stamps.com, everything you would do at the post office, you can do right from your desk and at a fraction of the cost of a postage meter. So right now, get this special offer when you use our promo code RISK. It's a no-risk trial plus a $110 bonus offer that includes a digital scale and up to $55 free postage. So don't wait. Go to Stamps.com before you do anything else. Click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in RISK. That's Stamps.com. Enter RISK. Now here's the show. This is Extra Risk, where we give you just a little bit more of the show where people tell true stories they never thought they'd dare to share. I'm Kevin Allison, and this is Bubamara Brass Band behind me now. If you're somewhat new to the show, uh, regular episodes of Risk have about three to five stories. These extra ones have one or two. And we're calling today's Sex, Death, and High School. Because both of today's stories are about high schoolers, one losing her innocence and another losing his virginity. We're going to start with the fantastic Boston-based comedian and actress Kelly McFarland. You can find her at kellymcfarland.com and that's M-A-C, Farland. (laughs) So without further ado, here she is. This is Kelly McFarland at the Risk Live show in New York City with a story we call, Where the Walrus Touched Me. I actually grew up in Maine, and I... um, my freshman year in high school, I decided to take a CPR class, and it was mostly because my friends were taking the class. 
Like I had no interest in learning CPR, but all my friends were taking it. And important things to you your freshman year are pretty much like I just wanted my look to be really classic and my hair to be big. Those were important things to me. And all of my friends were going to take the class, so I took the class too. And the good news is, is that the class was pass-fail. So I wasn't the best student, so my chances were really good that I was going to pass. And you can barely pass, and with pass-fail, no one knows the difference. You either pass or you fail. So I was really excited about it. And it wasn't a horrible class. It was kind of fun. There was... um a routine that we got to do, and uh, they pulled out a fake dummy, Resuscitation Annie. Does anybody remember her? She's this um, dummy with no arms or legs and a big, like, slight smile on her plastic face. And uh, you would practice the CPR on the dummy. And uh, the instructor was really cheeky. They would put T-shirts on the dummy. Uh, like, one week it would be, like, a classic Coke T-shirt, and like the next week, it would be like our school mascot. And then a frequent t-shirt was um, this don't worry, be happy t-shirt with like a big smiley face with the dreadlocks. Do you remember that t-shirt? <laughs> <laughs> On the dead resuscitation Annie doll. Don't worry, be happy. And um, we would practice just for hours and hours on the resuscitation doll, just practicing, practicing. And the instructor made it fun because she said that if you do CPR correctly, it's to the song Staying Alive. Has anybody? Uh, 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 staying alive, staying alive. So it was really, it was fun. We would sing it out loud. Um, so it was fun. I was catchy. And I was getting really good at CPR on the fake dead person. And I was really excited. Felt good about it. It was a good way to like wind up my freshman year. Stellar ending. Uh, summer came. I was really excited about that. And my family, growing up in Maine, we camped in the summer. That's what we did. We seasonally camped, which is not something a lot of people know about. It's basically you find a campground you really like and you set up shop near the lake. It's like our version of summer home. Summer homeless. <laughs> We, so we had a lake house, lake homeless, and uh, we would camp there every weekend. And it was like we had a summer place, but we didn't. And uh, we would go to this uh, campground every single weekend, and it was fun. My relatives also camped there, so which now that I'm saying it out loud, sounds like we had like a weird commune thing. It wasn't. It was just camping. And uh, this, there was a very, very sunny Saturday, and we were at the campsite, and we were preparing for a party. And we were really excited about the party. I remember it was a really warm day, and it was my cousin's birthday. And we were really excited because we always celebrated his birthday at the campground. And uh, we were decorating the picnic table and the awnings, the screen tent, which is just a tent that you can see through. It keeps, it's fancy. Uh, the, the dining room, if you will. And uh, it kept the mosquitoes out, which was nice. And my Aunt Millie, his mother, was making a cake. And uh, she made the best cakes. It was a, a bear-shaped cake, chocolate cake with chocolate frosting, and, like, gumdrop eyes, and, like, little gumdrop buttons, like he was wearing a suit. <laughs> uh, and then a big, like, cherry red licorice smile. Like wicked happy. <laughs> chocolate on chocolate bear cake. It looked amazing. I was like, oh, that was a fucking delicious cake right there. I'm excited about it. And uh, I was watching her frost it, and uh, everybody was hanging out, and my dad was firing up the grill, and we saw this woman coming up from the lake. And as she got close to our campsite, we noticed that she was stopping at every campsite, very frantic, like stopping. 
And in my mind, I always go to food, so I was like, I wonder if she's out of hamburger rolls. And, uh... (laughs) She must be out of hamburger buns. This is horrible. Someone should should go to town. And, uh... (laughs) So she's stopping at every campsite, and then finally she was coming towards our campsite. And she was very upset, and I was screaming, does anyone know CPR? Does anyone know CPR? Anyone? And my mother went, she does, and pointed at me, who was propped up on a stool, licking a beater. Like, I was like, what? (laughs) Me? And I said, oh, I I don't, um, I was past fail. And uh, my mother's like, you can do this. You passed it. And I was like, oh, oh did I? You, it's, uh, yeah. But it's not something you can say no to. Like, if someone comes up and says, we need someone who knows CPR, you can't be like, well, if you don't find anyone else, <laughs> you come on back around. I'm going to finish licking these spatulas. And then you, you can't find anyone. It's not like that. It's not like, hey, can you house sit my cat? No. Like, this, like, clearly, this is like, it's time sensitive. So, so she does. I'm like, I know. And she grabs me by the arm and leads me down to the lake. And the whole walk down, I'm like, what? What is happening? This is, I'm very nervous. I don't think I remember anything. Can't remember anything. I'm drawing a blank. And my dad was trailing behind. And he was like, are you okay? And I was like, what? No. No, I'm not okay. We don't even know what's going on. And the woman starts to debrief us. And she says, "Uh, someone found a man floating upside down on a blow-up raft. And they pulled him from the lake. And he's not breathing. So in my mind, I thought, well, maybe by the time we get down there, he will be up and walking around. <laughs> like, maybe he was sleeping. <laughs> and when I get down there, we'll have a good laugh about this and get to have some ice cream. <laughs> and that wasn't the case. We, we got to the beach. And uh, they had pulled him from the water and laid him on his back. And he was on a very bright, uh, very cheerful beach towel. It was a very bright colored beach towel with like these cartoon dolphins that were smiling. And he was laid out on his back. He was wearing orange and yellow swim trunks. Uh, Pretty fashionable for a man of his age. I would have guessed he was in his late 60s. He was ginormous, just enormous. I'm five feet tall. I, it looked like I was going to have to climb up on him to do CPR. He uh, had a giant bloated beer gut and very hairy chest, like more hair than I, I was 14, more hair than I'd ever seen in my entire life. And it grew up over his shoulders like moss on a building and came down his arms. He had a full mustache that if he wasn't wet or in the water for several hours, would have been like full and fluffy, but instead it was matted to his face. He looked like a giant walrus on his back. And I looked at him and tried to look like I was assessing the situation. Like, like I just walked on a crime scene. I was like, yes, I see it. I know exactly what to do. Uh, 
and in real life, I, my stomach was flipping like over and over. And I'm getting that, uh, that saliva buildup in your mouth that you get when you feel like you're going to be sick. And all you want to do is hover over a toilet because that's going to help to just relieve you. But I'm thinking, don't throw up. There's a lot of people around and you want to make sure that you focus. So as I approached him, I kneeled down and a woman, much older than I was, uh, touched me on the arm and said, I'm going to help you. I will do the breaths. And I was like, thank Jesus. Because I had never even kissed a boy, never mind a boy with a big full mustache. So I was like, sounds good to me. And we had heard about two-person CPR in CPR class, but it's very outdated and it wasn't really something that they approve of now, whoever they are. And, uh, but I was like, I am willing to take the help. So she did everything normal. She tilted the head back. She did the shake. Uh, in my mind, it went, Annie, Annie, are you okay? I don't think his name was Annie. I'm guessing his name wasn't Annie, but Annie, Annie, are you okay? I was like, that's right. And then I was like, mm, 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 staying alive. And I got ready to do my part, which is the compressions. So I clasped my hands together, and I had him on his chest ready to go. And I was thinking, I really wish he had on that T-shirt that Annie used to wear, because now I can feel how cold and hard his flesh is. Like, frozen solid is what it felt like. And it was my turn, so I began to do the compressions. And just like they had warned me in CPR class... I felt the ribs break underneath my hands, just repeatedly breaking and cracking. And Annie also had a rib breaking noise, but it was just a pleasant click, 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 click. This was more of like a, I could feel them all breaking underneath my hands. And he wasn't coming to, he wasn't reviving. People were watching. They were very hopeful. And I just kind of went into a daze and just kept doing the CPR. I don't know how long it went on, but it was long enough for me to be scarred for life. Because when the ambulance got there, they quickly shoved us out of the way. And I noticed no one was saying anything to us. No one thanked us. No one said, uh, wow, thank you for doing everything you could for my father or my brother. It was very, very weird. Like no one was claiming him. Like he had just wandered down there or floated from a campsite across the lake and then flipped. It was very strange. And I watched the EMTs. They were with him for just a few moments. And they picked him up and then zipped him up in a bag. And it was done, like a package. And they put him in the back of the ambulance and drove away. And we walked back to the campsite. And we didn't say a word. We didn't speak. And I said to my father, I'm going to stop by the community bathroom. I feel like I need a moment. And I stopped and I washed my hands for like a good 15 minutes. And like wash, washed my hands. Like all the way up to the elbow, scrubbing with very hot water. Collected myself. I didn't shed a single tear. Just didn't even have it in me. That feeling of exhaustion when you can't even pull an emotion. I didn't have one. And I knew that he was gone. I knew he was dead, but I didn't really understand if he died before I got there or after I got there. All I know is I just had my hands on a dead person, a dead stranger, for like the last however many minutes it was. When I arrived at the campsite, I thought that I was going to be welcomed back as somewhat of a hero. A brave, brave little biscuit. <laughs> and when I walked up, 
the response I got was, oh, Kelly's back. And as soon as that happened, my aunt emerged from the camper with a bear cake on fire. And they sang, happy birthday to you. To which I joined in. Happy, what the fuck is going on? Happy birthday. I ate four hot dogs. Four. Not light or reduced fat. Like genuine, real red snappers you can only get in Maine. I then uh, proceeded to eat cake like it was my job. And no one questioned it. No one criticized. And we didn't say a word about anything that had happened. No one spoke about it. Nowadays, if a kid went through something like that, they would be in therapy like the next day. They'd, be, they'd make them draw their feelings. Show me on the wall where he touched you. Like it would be... <laughs> nothing. I didn't get any of that. Nothing. It was just normal. Like a normal day. Like something that just happened and we all just kind of moved on. To this day, we've never spoken about it. But what I can tell you is this. This experience has made me realize that there's nothing I can't overcome with a delicious piece of chocolate on chocolate bear cake. <laughs> Thank you. This is family of the year behind me now, and we're only a couple days into this year, but Risk has a ton of very exciting stuff coming up. Uh, We have a brand new all-star episode that is coming out very soon with Aisha Tyler, Andy Dick, Greg Fitzsimmons, Kamau Bell, and Aubrey O'Day. It may very well be our best all-star episode yet, and it is coming soon, so stay tuned. We have a special online event for Risk fans coming up on my birthday on February 16th. So pay attention to our blog at risk-show.com to find out more about that. And in just a few weeks, our school at thestorystudio.org We'll be unveiling our brand new video course, Storytelling for Business. I am so proud of this course. I have never put together an educational tool quite this thorough and practical and hands-on. It is absolutely essential for anyone with a career. So stay tuned for more news about our upcoming video course, Storytelling for Business. If you don't already know, Risk is a proud member of the MaximumFun.org network. We are one of the many spectacular podcasts 
that you will find if you go to our parent network, MaximumFun.org. And if you care about what we do, we are listener-supported. The foundation under our feet, the very thing that keeps us going, is the financial support of the people who understand and care about what we're doing. And the way to support us is to become a member of MaximumFun.org today, or at the very least, to make a one-time donation at MaximumFun.org slash donate. Now, as you may already know, I am a passionate lover of the human voice. And our next storyteller has an extraordinary voice, not just in terms of vocal cords, but in terms of his personality, I can promise you, you will be hearing more of him here. This is Dave Ross. You can find him at davetotheross.com. He's at the Risk Live show in Los Angeles telling this story that we call Dave Had Sex. So let me go. A couple days after I lost my virginity, my girlfriend called and thanked my friend James, which is true. And I also thanked him profusely because he, like, he saved my ass. He saved both of our asses, but he saved me twice in the span of two days. It was incredible. Here's what happened. I lost my virginity when I was in high school. And it's not because... I was like a cool person or something. It's not like I had a lot of friends. It's not because I, you know, hooked up with a lot of girls or really talked to them at all. I was very much like, like I was, you know, nerdy and reserved and like, I'm scared of you. Okay. Like maybe, maybe from a distance I might be, you're attractive. You're gone already. Okay. I don't know how to talk to women. Um, Later on in my life, maybe I'll write you a song and put it in your locker and cry. Like that's kind of... The way that I handled my life. <laughs> I don't know how you put a song in a locker, but everything's metaphorical in high school, I guess. Um, just like, how can I give you all my emotions? I know what, I'll buy you 19 presents. You know what I mean, I'm that type of guy. Um, so, I, um, sex was not gonna happen for me organically. I didn't go to parties, and I don't mean my girlfriend was a robot. I just meant like, I wasn't just gonna meet someone and then like have sex. I still don't know how people do that. That sounds fucking crazy to me. Um, but I met this girl in theater, so thanks. And uh, uh, we dated for nine months, did a lot of uh, kissing, mouths closed, uh, holding hands, things like that. Especially since she had told me she'd had a traumatizing blowjob experience with her last boyfriend. <laughs> So, you know, we did a lot of hugging, and the relationship was a lot like Bible camp. Uh, <laughs> except there were just two of us, and we didn't fuck. Uh, so it was nothing like Bible camp. <laughs> like, I didn't have a Catholic family, like, a very, like, astringently, but my grandparents were all stringently religious. So I grew up in this environment where it was like, it was sort of taught to me, like, the women did not want to have sex. They did not like it. So I sort of like was hands off anyway. Like, I don't want to do anything you don't want to do. You know, we can just hang out. It's cool. You're pretty. I'm into that. That's enough for me. Um, 
So I didn't think I needed any of that. But then, like, nine months or a year into our relationship, Jen, my girlfriend, just said, hey, do you want to have sex? I was like, yes. Yes, I. Oh, God. Yes, I do. Yes, I, I had no idea I wanted it so badly. Um, the one thing I did have in, in school that made me kind of, like, cool or, like, passable or, like, not face-punchable, you know what I mean, was my friend James. Um, he... Like, I don't know, he was just like a really confident asshole. Like a funny New York asshole. And uh, he loved me. And he always backed me up. So I sort of like, that helped me in school a lot. I don't know why he loved me. I guess because I was like a quiet sass mouth. Like I would hide behind him and be like, that guy's a dick. And he'd be like, yeah, Dave's funny. Uh, <laughs> James was also uh, he was also obsessed with sex but he was so like, such a vicarious person he was just really obsessed with his friends having sex this is the type of guy James was we, uh, there was this guy that, we, that was always an asshole to us through all of school we hated him uh, but we had to give him a ride home one day we were all virgins and James like I'm saying like so obsessed with people not being a virgin anymore and I guess I was too I mean who wasn't uh, <laughs> This kid gets in the car with us, and he starts telling us how he lost his virginity that weekend. And this kid was very thin, but he had been fat in elementary school, and James didn't like him, so he just called him fat, uh, if that makes sense. Uh, so uh, this guy says, yeah, I had sex with her uh, in my mom's Mercury Cougar. Um, it was fucking cramped in there. And James says, yeah, then she got in. Um, <laughs> So that's the kind of guy he was, just a real sass mouth. So anyway, Jen, you know, basically proposes to me. There should have been a ring. I was so excited. Uh, but my family was very strict. Like, they weren't religious, but they were very, like, conservative. And her family was very Catholic. So we couldn't just, like, close the door to one of our bedrooms. We had to hatch a plan, a serious, like, multi-step plan and we uh we enlisted james's help and he was like dude fuck yeah he was so on board it was amazing <laughs> here's the plan he uh he was gonna show up at my house pick me up to take myself and my girlfriend to a movie while he was distracting my mother my mom loved him he was a real charmer he would distract my mom i would go up into the attic steal my parents tent throw it in James's car. See you later, Mom. We're going to see a movie. That's step one of the plan. And that went off without a hitch. Uh, I, I got the tent, threw it in there. My uh, James, like, hit on my mom for 15 minutes. <laughs> it's basically what he did. Uh, and we got in the car and drove off. Now's when it gets complicated because Jen's family, like I said, very Catholic. Not only is her family Catholic, though, her father is the most hilarious person that ever lived. And what I mean by that is, he's the kind of dad I want to be. And what I mean by that is, he fucked with me so hard. <laughs> I actually saw him a few years ago, and he was super nice. I was like, why are you being nice to me? And he was like, because you're not trying to fuck my daughter. And I was like, oh, that's right. That makes sense. <laughs> so this day, this was the day that he picked to do this. I went up to the door, knocked on the door. It creaked open. And all I see standing in the doorway is Jen's dad wearing only a wife beater t-shirt and boxer shorts, holding a shotgun, <laughs> cocked the shotgun, stared at me and said, come on in, Dave. <laughs> this is him staring at me, by the way, and me staring back at him, just like, oh. 
Hi. And I walked by him, found Jen, and like shaking the whole time, kind of, yeah, no, yeah, movie. <laughs> See you later. And then walked out the door. But we escaped successfully. Um, step two, done. Then James drives us and drops us off in the woods behind my old middle school. Uh, we walk half a mile into the woods, <laughs> set up the tent, and have sex for four hours. We planned for him to leave us there for four hours. <laughs> Think about this, like, like that's, we are so, not only inexperienced, but so careful, like half a mile into the woods, set up a tent so what the fucking birds can't watch, you know, like, who's gonna, <laughs> and then we need four hours just to make sure. It might take a little while. <laughs> This isn't my first time getting rid of a boner in my entire life, after all. <laughs> oh, sir. Uh. So, anyway, like I said, four hours. In four hours, we had sex uh, two times. Uh, there was one orgasm. I had it, not to brag. Uh, <laughs> So awkward. Oh my god, such an awkward experience. And I actually didn't shoot quickly. I was so nervous. I, like there, there are all these gems that came out of her mouth. At one point, she said, "Uh, not there." That was something she said. Um, <laughs> I didn't know what I was doing. Uh, she also said uh, at one point, "We don't have to do this again, do we?" And I was like, "No." Uh, God, I'm sorry. Um, at one point, I was like, I like totally lost my erection, and I was just like panicking and shaking and stuff. <laughs> And she goes, oh my God, are you okay? What's wrong? And I fired this out. Uh, I'm just so happy. <laughs> she was like, oh. Yeah. Thank you. That's a victory for me. Um, we finished. Um, packed everything up. You know, got our clothes on. Stood up, walked out, stood on the street, holding our tent, holding hands, huge smiles on her faces. Or at least me, I don't know. Um, <laughs> James came and picked us up right on time. And we're like, all right, we're going to drop Jen off first because this is going to be the hard one. We go to her parents' house to drop her off. And right as we walk in the front door, I realize that Jen and I have muddy footprints and like leaves all over our shoes, and James does not. And so I start to fucking panic so bad. And really, there are so many possible explanations for that. Like, we could have gone puddle jumping. You know, like, there are so many. It didn't have to be that we were in the woods having sex. Like, how could he possibly even guess that? There's no way that you could guess that. But still, I'm like, he definitely knows. He knows. I'm standing there just like, it's a very quiet, oh, yeah, no, we love the movie. It was great. Ninja Turtles 3, yeah, com completing the trilogy. Yeah, 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 loved it. Uh, I don't know if that was the movie at all. Uh, I was just so afraid in my head, just like, ah, damn it. But James, being a great friend, notices that I'm panicking and notices that I'm probably going to buckle at any moment and just yell out, I had sex with your daughter. Like, it was probably just what I was going to do. So as... Jen's father is grilling me, and I'm like shaking and about to start crying. James just looks at him, and just to like change the subject, goes, uh, hey, asshole. <laughs> and her dad. <laughs> and her dad. 
luckily chose to deal with this with humor. He couldn't believe that like a 16-year-old kid just called him an asshole for no reason. He was just like, what? Why would... All right, well, you're gonna get it, son. And he pulls his belt off to act like he's gonna like, you know, he's gonna pretend whip the kid, but then he just whipped him in the nuts accidentally. <laughs> he just whipped him straight in the balls. And James crumpled to the floor like, ah! But it saved my life. I was like, oh God, I gotta get him to a hospital. This is horrific. You're a monster, sir. Oh, man, Jen, thank you, thank you. Very much, Jen. Uh, <laughs> I picked James up, and we got out of there. I was safe. But then the next day was school again. It was Monday. And like I said, I was way more into not being a virgin than I thought I was. I, like, on the bus, on the way to school, I was just like, I am the man. <laughs> no more problems for me. Everyone's going to know just by the sheer confidence emanating from my body that I am not a virgin anymore. Everyone's going to be asking me. Everyone's going to want to know how it was. I'm going to rule this fucking school, man. I'm going to be the coolest. And then like five periods went by and no one brought it up at all. It was such bullshit. I was like, what's the point of having sex if no one knows? This sucks, man. But then sixth period rolls around. I'm walking downstairs toward the lunchroom, and this bully that had been picking on me that year comes right around the corner, grabs me on the collar, and says, where the fuck are you going, faggot? Right in my face. And I'm just like, eh, eh, oh God, oh God. But then, out of nowhere, like a white knight, James jumps over my shoulder, pushes the dude, and says, hey, back the fuck off, man. Dave had sex. <laughs> <laughs> I still thank him for that. <laughs> thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of the show. is all for this week my friends this is battle me behind me now come see risk live at new york Podfest on january 12th at the pit we'll have mike kaplan jackie cation and dave hill on january 18th we will be at the south carolina comedy festival with michael ian black the next night we'll be there with adam newman that'll be our first ever time in charleston so we're super excited about that on january 24th We'll be at the Nerdmel Theater in Los Angeles with Johnny McGovern, Sean Patton, and author Christopher Ryan, author of Sex at Dawn. And then on January 24th, we'll also be back at the pit with H. Allen Scott. Whenever you want to find out more about Risk Live shows, just go to risk-show.com slash tour. Submit your own stories to us at the submissions page at our site. 
Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Risk Show. Follow me on Twitter at the Kevin Allison. Comment on us. Please comment on us at iTunes. Those comments on iTunes raise our profile there. And also talk with me about the shows, about the episodes at the forums at MaximumFun.org. We're always open to hearing suggestions from our fans on how to improve our business. If you have ideas to send us about marketing or publicity or merchandise or whatever it might be, write to me at Kevin at Risk-Show.com. Stay tuned for more information about uh, the new All-Star episode, about the new Storytelling for Business video course we're going to have coming out, and about my birthday hangout online (laughs) for Risk fans coming up on February 16th. We'll have more information about all of that very soon. Folks, today's the day. Take a risk. Because both of Tador <laughs> I cannot fucking do 